Welcome to Intimate Interactions, where we discuss ways we share intimacy with our fellow humans. Sex, kink, non-monogamy, love, relationships, gangbangs, no intimacy topic is too taboo. Let's talk. Irene is newish to kink. She started a sex and feminism blog where she's currently an avid blogger and hopes to be an educator one day. As a South Asian woman, that's not really a thing our community has yet for a variety of reasons. Over her journey into kink, she has learned a lot. And now it's time for her to share some of that knowledge with you. Get ready to learn about getting started in kink with Irene here on Intimate Interactions. On that note, welcome to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with my guest, Irene. Um, you did your own intro last session, which was essentially that you're a blogger at the de- at the desivibes.com. Yeah, that was a very casual intro I did okay. last time. Yes, but yes, hello, that is me. Um, yeah. And you are a South Asian woman who tends to blog about sex and feminism and non-monogamy and kink and all those wonderful things. Yeah, Ish. absolutely. Ish. Ish. Yeah, whenever I can. I feel like there's, if you're going to go and like look at the website right now, there's a lot of feminism on there. But I promise there's a whole bunch of other really great content that's on there. I was very, very blessed um, that members of the sex blogging community and even like the sex toy making community were like, hey, like South Asian person, we don't have a single one of those. Let's support you and send you stuff so that you can actually do sex toy reviews and things like that. That's great. I'm very, very blessed. And I, you know, so taking time out of my day to just kind of try and build up content. So there's going to be some amazing stuff on there. And I'm really looking forward to whatever I can put out. So, yeah, that's my website. Come check me out. Yay. So we wanted to talk about kink this session. Yes, let's do it. Okay, so when you think about kink, what sorts of needs do you find that kink meets for you? Ooh. Um, kink, I find, it's really kind of a place of joy for me. Um, there's so much to kink that's just, it's very fulfilling. Um, for me, can can be a source of emotional catharsis mm. um which is which is a huge need for me sometimes is just having a it's like having a safe space where i can be forced to cry for example yeah and just like having the ha, like just going into a space knowing hey like i'm gonna cry i'm looking forward to crying and then actually like being able to just like bawl your eyes out and it, afterwards you feel amazing mm-hmm. um so that's like like that's kind of a need i mean kink and sex sometimes go hand in hand like Mm -hmm. kink and sex is great doesn't have to be that way all the time um but that's definitely a need that can be fulfilled but kink is definitely more than just like sex i think sometimes um it's an amazing way for me to get to know myself um for example self-tying um with rope is such a great learning experience and and a way to challenge myself or even you know playing with someone else and if it's something that it's it's harder than something that i normally do with that person it's an amazing challenge like i learned so much about myself when i'm doing kink not just about the other person so Mm -hmm. i love it yeah Awesome. So it sounds like a slew of different motivations and needs that get met. So you were talking about kink and sex sometimes going together. I'm Mm. curious, do you find sex more intimate when kink is involved? Mm. Not necessarily? Not necessarily. Okay. I think think kink and sex go really well together just Mm -hmm. because, like, a lot of the times when you're doing kink things, they are things that, like, arouse you and excite you. Um... But I actually really love non-sexual kink scenes as Me well. Yeah. I I just think that there's so much more richness. And when you're not worried about, oh, like when you're not tailoring everything towards an orgasm or towards sex, 
it just really frees you up to be able to enjoy kink in so many different ways. And it's mm-hmm. like, hey, how are you feeling today? Do you just want to have fun? Do you want to be challenged? Do you want to cry? Do you want to feel loved? Like, you know, what can we do? What can we create when you're not just, you know, focused on like, oh, this makes me feel like I want to have sex. Like mm-hmm. when you can get away from that, I think it just expands your world into like so many different things. You can build such intimate and powerful friendships with people and never mm-hmm. have sex with them while you're doing kinky things, you know? And I, there's a wider array of kink things that I do and I've built really amazing friendships and I've had you know really joyful kink scenes and really emotional kink scenes so yeah I just you know kink and sex is great but I I, in a sense it does deepen it because you're trusting someone in a very vulnerable sure place and I think in that sense yes kink and kink does kind of deepen your sex life in terms of the intimacy? In terms of the intimacy. There are ways that you can do that, but mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be that way every single time. Sure. And it doesn't necessarily deepen the intimacy. I yes. think there's just like a lot of potential mm-hmm. that you can really mine for. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's lots of different... I think that's exactly the word, mine for. Like, there's a lot of different <clears throat> things yeah. that you can do that, you know, make things very special and very intimate. But it really, you know, you kind of almost have to be conscious about that it doesn't happen magically you know it's it's because you and your the person that you're with have actually worked towards that and Mm -hmm. want that you know so that's that's my thoughts on that yeah i feel the same way about sex in the sense that there's Mm -hmm. a lot of potential for intimacy but just because you're having sex with someone doesn't mean you're being intimate with them Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. I, i i fully agree and i think it's you know how you create that intimacy that really matters and really speaks to what your kind of chemistry and connection is like. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to ask more about motivations because you were getting into some really good juicy <laughs> needs that you were getting met in terms of catharsis mm-hmm. and you used a lot of these really great words. Do you, I'm, I'm curious, what is dominance or submission? What do those terms mean to you? Hmm. Um, well, I will kind of start out by saying that I am a bottom mostly (laughs) (laughs) i am for the most part a bottom um and there are occasional times um when i'm very very comfortable with a person that is feeling kind of switchy that i might occasionally flip the switch on but for the most part i'm very much a bottom person um i also take an interest in tying people in my own rope um so that's kind of an occasion where i'm kind of switching somewhat ish or i'm a bottom who i prefer the term bottom who occasionally ties rope but some people are like oh you're a switch and i'm like all right sure you know it's a spectrum <laughs> it's like a switching spectrum. switching is definitely switching like... is definitely a spectrum yeah. so yeah um for me dominance I mean, both of these terms, there's so many definitions, and it's so loaded sometimes to even, like, go into what does dominance mean? What does submission mean? That's partly why I ask him. (laughs) (laughs) It's so different to everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, So So what does it mean to you? So to me, specifically, if we're going to go with that disclaimer, (laughs) um, to me, I'll start with submission, um, because that's kind of my wheelhouse. Um, To me, submission is very special. It's you know, being able to kind of trust someone. It's, you know, I'm providing a service. I'm giving someone something or I'm giving them a part of myself and I'm trusting them with something very, very important. And I, you know, um, 
And for me, that's that's really amazing that I can have that that level of trust with someone where I could just be, you know, I could be blindfolded. I could, you know, not know what's going on around me, but I know that I can blindly put my faith in this person for what whatever this thing is and whatever it is that we've negotiated and it's fine, you know. Um, and it's it, for me, submission is amazing because if I trust that person, which I'm hoping that's kind of how this whole thing works. Um, but, you know, it's it's an opportunity for them to also push me and challenge me. Um, one example was um, I was doing a scene in which there were clothespins, um, except this time the clothespins were all tied together with string. So uh, zipper lines. They were, they were a zipper line. They weren't just clothespins. And so just clothespins was fine. Zipper lines terrified the crap out of me. That's fair. And, and so I was very scared, and I was crying, and I was just like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And then it happened, and I loved it. And I was like, oh, my God, okay, that was amazing. Like, I'm fine. But, you know, it was because I was submissive, and I was able to trust this dominant person mm-hmm. that I was able to... To experience this thing otherwise I wouldn't ever be able to so I guess dominance the other side of that um when I'm dominant I when I switch to that side I guess you could say um there's a lot of care that comes with it for me I mm-hmm. I feel like there's um you know I care very much about the person that I'm tying for you know they they they're my friend at the bare minimum like this right. is somebody that I want to give such an amazing experience to and so for me it comes mm-hmm. from a really deep place of love in a sense mm-hmm. where I really just want this person to have an amazing experience I want to see their reactions and I want to revel in them and it's really this kind of I'm making this motion with my hands but it's this really like <laughs> visceral like I'm making claws here but that's probably because I identify as a lioness and it's just it's very very visceral for me and it's all about those Mm -hmm. emotions and like you know those reactions and things like that so Mm -hmm. yeah dominance to me is somebody who you give power to but there's a level of trust that comes with that like Mm -hmm. you don't just give someone that is dominant power very lightly in my Mm -hmm. opinion you know there's a lot of trust that goes into that and also someone submissive with someone dominant does not necessarily mean there'll be any power exchange between them yeah it's really just that that is their preferred place of power exchange. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, I fully, I fully agree with that statement. Yeah. So would you say you're fed by power exchange then? <sighs> yes, I would. And I never thought I would be. Um, Interesting. Yes. Tell me, tell me more. <laughs> I mean, when I first, I stumbled across kink so many years ago, like mm-hmm. I was like, grade eight or grade nine like I was young in high school and I stumbled across it on tumblr of all places I guess Amazing. <laughs> and I was just like at first I was just so like blown away I was like my god like what are these people doing are they okay and like you know kind of shoved it away and didn't think about it for a couple of years only to come full circle back to it and go hey wait a minute like mm-hmm. Maybe I wasn't just terrified. Maybe I was terrified and genuinely curious, and that's why I didn't want to deal with it. Right. Um, You know, power exchange, um, it's very, very, like, power exchange to me is deeply intimate, and it's very, very, like, Mm -hmm. I don't take it lightly. Um, I've got a set of protocols with my current partner, and I have a contract, and that's that's a huge deal like that's a huge milestone like that is not at all something that I take lightly or that I did casually that was a lot of you know thought on my part and a huge you know I genuinely felt 
that A, I myself was prepared for this, and B, that I trusted this person enough that I mm-hmm. was willing to even consider making a set of rules with them and writing them in a place. And um, for us in particular, our contract is a living document. It constantly yes. flexes and changes because, hey, life is a messy thing. That um, is a best practice in yes, my opinion. Make yes. contracts living documents. <laughs> it's something I discovered when I was working with my slave. Aw, yeah. And so, you know, I have like at the bottom, this document was last modified on X, Y, and Z date, right? And I'm, I'm always looking at it because to me it is so... Um, special and powerful and very, very fulfilling. It's like, hey, these are things that are expected of me. Like, this is how I make my partner happy. Like, and and I've written, I've I've written everything in there. I was like, you know, I've almost got a we believe statement in there at the very okay. beginning. I think it's really cute, but it's like, you know, we believe in communication because that's what that's what leads to our success. We believe in, you know, trusting each other, loving each other. We so believe relationship X. values. Yeah. So I started with a bunch of relationship values at the beginning of this document because I, I was this, awesome. I was a submissive and I wrote it. Um, and then <laughs> that's kind of how it goes, I think. Um, and then I went into the actual, like, you know, rules and protocols that we have agreed on, you know, and some of them are more, um, Lighthearted, like one was kind of a, a more of a joke protocol, but it but it it still made sense. A joke protocol. Well, Tell me more. Tell okay. me more. <laughs> okay, so there is there is the there's like you know how there's bots on the internet. So there's one okay. called Inspirobot. Okay, and it, it comes up with like these inspirational <laughs> quotes that are really terrible. I love it. Except this one was rule number six. Um, if you need a hug, don't forget to be greedy. So I made rule number six Aww, in our document. Isn't it cute? That's I made so rule cute. number six in our document. If you need a hug, don't forget to be greedy. So that like whenever we want hugs or cuddles or whatever, we can be as greedy as we want. Like that sort yeah. of that sort of physical intimacy, you should never be shy to ask for. Definitely. So I thought it was really funny and really cute. So that's like the joke protocol in a sense. Like just the most like backwards route to finding a protocol that you want to write in your super quote unquote serious king contract. Yep. <laughs> Clearly we're very serious. Um <laughs> But also but, that's that's a very valid point yeah. that like sometimes you do want to embed the joy and laughter in relationships in a contract oh god yes and i and i and i i hope i've done that and i i really like that i hope so and i i love that i've infused that into it because that really is kind of that's who i am as a person and Mm -hmm. bringing that into my relationships is something that i do so you know we have you know protocols like that and it's yeah, just, that's great. Do yeah. you have any kind of? Well, actually, before I get on to the next question, oh shoot, I had things I wanted to say. And I no, no, it's all okay. You can come back them. to them. Please okay. do. I don't um, mind jumping around. Oh, I was going to say that the to me having a relationship agreement, some kind of contract for mm-hmm. power exchange, is all about creating a living document that is the infusion of who and what you are as yes. as a partnership. So having a relationship values at the beginning is a great idea. Thank you. And putting jokes into the contract, if that's what feels true and honest to you and your partner, is an excellent use <laughs> of that of that space. <laughs> because you're creating a representation of your relationship. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that that would be true to who and what you and your partners with a bracket on the S. <laughs> are yeah, in that absolutely. relationship. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of laughter between me and my partner. There's so much humor. Um so it just it does felt really like it felt really perfect. And it was a really 
you know, kind of adorable, hilarious, like, inspirational quote. Like, the fact that it was this random, like, inspirational image that said rule number six. If you need hugs, don't forget to be greedy. And I'm just like, hey! I shared that with my partner. I was like, look, InspiroBot knows that we're writing a contract. Do you like this? He's like, yes, put it in. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> that is great. That's fantastic. You know? So, yeah, you don't have to be serious all the time. Like, I think, you know, there's always this misconception that, like, DS and power exchange, and it's like, super serious dominance all the time no no god no like i mean life happens right yes yeah you even know? even old guard because old guard i think is where a lot of that seriousness mm-hmm. comes from and I, I mean and i mean not to say that there isn't seriousness of right course. like when there's when it's time to be serious like absolutely like my expectations are my expectations i will abide by them but sure. you know we're still allowed to you know be really really silly and like yeah. have you know the most ridiculous not at all serious titles for each other and shit like that right so Mm -hmm. having a lot of fun with your kink and having a lot of joy i think is just something that i love so yeah there was was a lot of joy and fun there is i was gonna say just in my master slave dynamic there's a lot of joy and fun as well so yeah i I empathize (laughs) that's really awesome so yeah no um power exchange but i yeah like i said never expected it to be such a important powerful part of my life but Mm -hmm. I'm incredibly happy that it is. I think it's the most intimate thing I've ever done. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I fully agree. And it's, it's really hard to explain that to people. Oh but my gosh, I, I yeah. think power exchange is the most intimate type of relationship I've ever been in. And I think the most intense. I, I fully agree. And I think for me, in a long distance relationship, I think it makes a huge difference. Because even though I'm not able to be with my boyfriend, you know, like... I'm not even able to see him once a week because he's on the other side of the country, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a set of rules and I have a set of protocols and I have things that regardless of how far away he is that I am doing and that he is doing for me. And I think that lessens that gap because mm. there is a level of exchange that's always happening, right? So it, I think it just makes that the distance feel a lot less. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about other masters that I've heard talk um, one master I'm trying to think this was publicly shared in a class so I'm pretty I'm fairly certain it's okay to share mm-hmm. here um, was talking about trying to discipline long distance in a master slave relationship and how mm-hmm. harrowing and hard that is um, and the only thing um, that they found to be effective was to take like a, a long distance date that they had had because they had regular dates mm-hmm. um, and as a form of punishment to be present on camera with that person and just be working for that time oh my god yeah that i love how incredibly brutal. gutting that is to you as somebody no. who's in one of these power no. exchange long distance. no 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 it was like and the I, worst I, ever and then there's the worst. and then there's no discipline problem <laughs> That is the worst ever. And actually, I had this. We had I had this discussion with my partner where we were we just kind of came to this point where we were just like, you know what? We are not the type of relationship where discipline is a thing. Right. If you fuck up, you fuck up. Um, but rather than discipline, it's celebration of things done well. It's rewards, not punishment. Mm-hmm. Right. So if it you looks do, different for everyone. Yeah. So it's like if you do the thing well, you're rewarded. If you don't do the thing, you fucked up. 
it's okay. Life mm-hmm. happens. You just don't get a reward. And it's, you Got know, you. and it's, and it's other ways. And I am very driven to like work hard and be, re- and be rewarded. Of course. So for me, that works great. You it know, totally seems to suit you. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yeah. We're not a punishment type of thing. That's just, you know, like that would just absolutely kill me. Like I would be yeah. devastated for like weeks on end. <laughs> yeah. Like even just the experience of sitting with someone like in that space with that tone, would yeah. be so difficult. I, I, that would just be gut-wrenching. <laughs> I would not. I would literally not be able to sit. It apparently worked for them. <laughs> Which is amazing, you know? If it works for you, like... It's not something I think I would subscribe to personally mm-hmm. either. But we seem to, again, be fairly on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> we're, why, apparently, as not we're talking, sure we're discovering that like we're, like, similar. the exact same person. <laughs> Just about, yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, not how we planned for this to go. But, hey, it's totally It fine. is what it is. <laughs> and we promise it's not the South Asian connection. No, no. <laughs> we are wildly different in our South Asian experiences. So it's also true, not also that. Also true, also true, yeah. So, yeah. I like I like how I'm doing the like crossed hands no motion. Like the... I like that we're both doing it. Yes, that was pretty good. Um, let's move on to sadomasochism. Sure. Do you participate in any sadomasochism? I am definitely a masochist. Um, what does that mean for you? <laughs> I should have seen that coming. Um, I I do enjoy a certain level of pain. Um, I like being pushed. I like being challenged. Um, pain to a certain extent feels good to me. It feels fun. It feels pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm willing to put myself up to a certain level of crap. Um, and I enjoy, um, having partners that are sadistic and that are willing, that that get some pleasure out of being able to hurt me and being able to elicit reactions from me and noises from me. And I think <laughs> their, and their reaction feeds me too, where it's like the fact that you love this makes me just want to scream and squeal and flail even more. Like, yes, like it's just fun for me. And for me, it's all about that reaction, you know? If my partner is eliciting a reaction from me and my reaction is eliciting a reaction from him, it's, right. a, it's a fantastic positive cycle. Like, I was let's halfway to doing, doing the circle of life from like Lion King. Um, That's pretty much what it is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, in a sense, then, it creates a really deep form of connection mm-hmm. between you and your partner. Absolutely. It is huge. I connect very much with my partners that way. If Over that's, sadomasochism. Mm-hmm, if that's the way we want to go. Yeah. I had things that are absolutely not that that have been amazing um you know one of my play partners uh and i we do strictly sensual things um and we'll do things like tickling or you know massage and things like that massage is great massage is great oh my god it's like the best like thing ever it's such a treat every time it is so good and i'm just like this is like every time i'm just like this is so amazing thank you one of my partners just likes to like grasp at my skin when she's close to me so she'll just like grasp at my skin and like squeeze it i'm kind of kneading my arms right now as i'm as i'm describing this um and she had been told by former partners not to do it that they didn't like it um, and for me, it's like halfway to a massage. Mm. I'm like, and you're just giving this away? I'm like, for free? Yes, gimme. Like, grope me, woman, grope me. Even though I, even though I don't believe, I'm actually not 100 percent sure. I'm, hmm, hmm, 
hmm, no, she identifies as a cis woman. I'm good. Okay. For a second, I was like, wait a minute. I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh. I, was like, I was like, I know she's queer. Does she count herself as a gender queer person or as an orientation queer person? Mm-hmm. She isn't an orientation queer human. <laughs> Still, one of the most memorable quotes of this session is going to be, group me, please. Group me, woman. Yes, that's definitely. It's pretty good. Pretty it's good. pretty good. But yeah, so like, I, I, I do so many different types of kink things. And even that, which mm-hmm. is like strictly sensual and like tickling for me is such a joyful fun experience like there is no sadomasochism in there whatsoever um mm-hmm. and that's great like that's non-sexual and it's just you know and it's a great time tickling so, can be very sadistic it can be it's all in how ruthless you are oh yeah oh, tickling yeah. is awful if you want it to be <laughs> oh yeah um I, I guess it's just the way that i've done it which is very sure. very joyful and playful and fun and it's that just, just kind sounds of a, lovely it is it's a ring experience and you are and you are at a point where you're like oh my god stop tickling me but it's still so much fun because you're laughing your ass off so you it can't help fun. but enjoy it yeah so i've i've done the whole spectrum of things so sadomasochism if that's the way i want to go is great if not hey there's other things that work too and i'm very kind of fluid in terms mm-hmm. of how i kink yeah, I love I love how you phrase that. I'm very fluid in terms of how I can. <laughs> I'm very fluid in terms of a lot of things, and I keep like finding this fluidity and like mm-hmm. ebbing and flowing, and I'm moving my arms around because this seems to be me in a lot of things where I'm just like, hey, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm pan, but I'm just like, I love everything, <laughs> you know. <laughs> do all the things. Do all the things, and yeah. I do. There is like it's there's never anything or almost never anything that's off limits to me mm-hmm. because it depends on the person that I'm with and yep. the way it's presented and mm-hmm. an idea that I might be completely against with with one person I might be totally for exploring with another person like something that I would never consider in some situations I'm you know so with the exception of very few things there's you know very little that's off the table um, mm-hmm. for example um, what's the word violet wands yes electrical play mm-hmm doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, it doesn't sit well with me either. I don't know why. How are we the same person? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) This is just like, oh my god. The Violet Wands are a very... Yeah, this is an an odd session. I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But um, Violet Wands, I just... There's something about... Does it feel itchy to you? I mean... I just feel like I just feel like I need to like scratch my arm every time. Okay, well maybe we're a little different in that regard because I don't. It depends on the extension on the violet wand. Interesting. But typically, I don't find violet wands itchy. I find them just disconcerting. Oh. There is something unsettling <laughs> about electricity hitting my skin. And it it's is like, disconcerting. Yeah, and I can like I can handle it for a bit, no. but it's spending energy for me no, to handle it. No, I I can't. I just like I'm just like get it off me. I need to scratch that spot that you just zapped because it just feels itchy. Like okay, I well, can't. well, good. We went until we yeah, found a difference. There we go. That's we a... found a difference. Um, yeah, like that's that's how it is for me. But then you know I've talked to someone else and he's like, oh, you've done that type of electrical play. Have you ever tried a kettle prod? And I'm like, I have never tried that. What I is have that? No intention of trying. <laughs> Did you try a cattle prod? I have not yet. Okay. It is on the two to um to test out at some point. It's not something that I would do like in a kink scene because I have absolutely no understanding yeah. of what it might feel like. So this sure. is this is something where I it's would It's a labbing thing. Yeah, it's a labbing thing where I'm just, you know, I want to be in the right frame of mind and I'm just gonna be like, Okay, right. like, here you go. Have my arm. Zap me please. Let's see how I react. I've heard I've heard typically you do like the ass if you're doing a cattle prod oh, just because I, I have no clue. There's no path anywhere near your chest. And Got just it. with cattle prods really are meant for cattles and 
yeah. cattle and cowhides yeah. is what I was going to say. Fair enough. So, I mean, if that's what it is, then fine. Here's my butt. You know, <laughs> whichever, whatever is the best practice, like, I'll do it and I'll experience it and sure. then I'll make a decision for myself. But it, yeah, I, I never seem to find that anything is off limits because I just, you know, different people introduce things differently to you and yeah. it's, it's always... And sometimes it's how it's presented. Like, yeah. someone, someone says, like, hey, well, can we try this thing? And you're like, I'm a no to that. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't quite the same as, like, a not now, not ever, but can kind of be like I in the foreseeable future I can't imagine myself yeah. ever wanting to do that thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of how it is for me is it really depends and it's really weird because a lot of times people are like oh what are you into right and I'm just like people? oh yeah it's like I don't know like I can give you my surface level answer of like right. impact play and rope and bondage but that really sure. says nothing because there is such a like vast mm-hmm. spectrum and there's so much nuance that like just telling you what I'm into doesn't really do justice to any of it and there's so many other things that I'm into and there's such a richness that I can't really mm-hmm. tell you until we sit down and start going this is what I'm into are you into this like hey how do you feel about this and until we start ideating with each other and coming up with you know what do we want to do that's a great word ideating <laughs> Coming up with ideas, well, I'm producing just like ideas, producing ideas, and like until we start brainstorming, hey, maybe I can do this thing to you. How does that feel? Are you doing a degree in psychology? No, what you, I should know this. What are you doing your degree? May I ask? Is that okay? That's that's fine. I mean, okay. I don't think anyone's gonna be able to pinpoint me by what my general, general degree. department. Are you in? <laughs> communications. Communications. Yes, okay. I am all about my in, communications. In psychology, they talk a lot about ideation. Oh, hilarious! So. No, I've never done a psychology class in my life. Oh, and I never defined the word labbing earlier. Oh, yeah. So, so labbing is when you are figuring out how to do a thing. It's kind of like experimentation, mm-hmm. which might be why we use the term labbing. I'm not really sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's typically when you're like, I would like to workshop this. Like, I would like to figure out how the nuts and bolts of this one specific thing go together. So it would be like, oh, well, how does rope work when you're trying to do this type of a cuff? And someone will like demonstrate for you and you'll talk about it and you'll learn about it and you'll Mm -hmm. like figure out how it works for you or like how the play works in general. Mm -hmm. That's more of like a labbing thing. When we talk about scening, we're talking about having um, a, a really different kind of interaction that's not necessarily focused around trying a thing out. It's usually focused around an experience. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Thank you, Irene. I appreciate that. (laughs) It's more of an experience and less of a class, I guess, is the best way to kind of draw a distinction. Because they can be similar. When I scene sometimes, I'll throw educational elements in. Like, I've done scenes before. I had to come up with a spontaneous scene where I was going to be playing with a partner Mm -hmm. that I've played with before, but where we had never really, like... I don't know, we just didn't have anything planned, but we right. had negotiated, so we knew mm-hmm. what range of plays were acceptable. Right. And I was like, how do you feel about dropping this into like a narrative frame and doing a little more role play? And she was like, yeah, sure, whatever, that, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> not best practices when someone says no. that. Um, so I was like, okay, well, how do you feel about like a trip to the zoo where literally we don't have to role play going to the zoo, but I am going to ask you questions about animals. And if you get them wrong, I'm going to hurt you in the ways that I normally hurt you anyway. <laughs> and if you get them right, then I guess you get this sort of reward of having a breather. Mm-hmm. So the pacing of our scene would change. Mm, and interesting. Of, of course, she always had her safe words, and there's a million different ways. I mean, she could have just requested, like, oh, by the way, that's actually really pinching on that arm. Could you move that? Yeah. Like, we were still verbally communicating, mm-hmm. but we also had this amazing additional pacing dynamic that was like, 
And and of course, it starts out whenever you say going to the zoo or you talk about animals, people are like, I know stuff about animals. And then you start asking, because I have a degree in biology, so you start Uh-oh. asking like really specific <laughs> questions. Oh, shit. <laughs> we did a trip to the aquarium <laughs> for our next scene. And she's like, it was pretty funny. After our first scene, she's like, I fucking hate the zoo. <laughs> it was pretty good. We have that kind of dynamic. That's though. amazing. That is so much fun. It was. It was. Yeah. It was wild. We literally got to the point where I was trying to get her to say the word cyanobacteria <laughs> while we were at the aquarium, <laughs> and she was like, "Why?" <laughs> that is amazing. Oh and my she God. was like in rope, and we were doing impact play and all this stuff. <laughs> and I was like, "It's a color," and she's like, "I don't know." And I was like, "Wrong answer." <laughs> I was like, it starts with a scene and ends with an end. And she's like, that's a color. And I was like, wrong answer. And I'm like, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. That is amazing. Yeah. Um, I do want to mention, like, I feel mm-hmm. like labbing is referred to in terms of rope a lot. It is. Um, it doesn't, but I, and I feel like, and, and yeah, that's always how I've heard it, but it doesn't always have to be in just rope of course context. Not. But it, it do, is very wanna, much from that yeah, community. It is very much from that community, but it doesn't have to be. Like for me, I, um, in Vancouver, we have an event called Taste of Kink. And ha, I organized that event. I know. It is one Aww. of my favorite events. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I didn't realize you were going to put a plug in for my event. So I was like, do you even know? I'm like, oh, that's that. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It has always been one of my favorite events Aww, just because it you. is, um, it's like Christmas for me because it's a bit more like a labbing situation where I'm able to to go in and learn things um, about things that I know nothing about or like I'm able to approach the person who's teaching electrical play and and I've done this on multiple occasions at Taste of King where I'm Mm -hmm. like hey I've tried electrical play with X, Y, and Z person I've tried it with this person, I didn't like it I want to try it with you, I want to test it out I want to see if I like it, what What would be different what might, like I want to get, like give me your take on it, but then it's it's just it's a very kind of, it is that lab like setting where you're able to test things out without it necessarily being like a scene where it's it's like an experience and it's kinky and you know like for example when I was saying like I got introduced to a zipper line during a kink scene like that was an experience that was not a labbing type of thing you know so that was very very different because this was done intentionally to scare me to excite me to you know cause a reaction um and that was very, very different from if I had said, hey, partner, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I would like to lab a zipper line. I would like right. to just test this out while I'm not in bondage. Like, I'm just, right. you know, standing in, like, a bedroom casually testing this out, you like, know? can you just, like, make me sit down and do the thing so that I it'll be over and I'll know what it feels like? Exactly. Yeah. And that is very, very different from, like, doing it during a scene. So that's, right. you know, so labbing comes from the rope community, but there's so many things that you can lab. And I am a mm-hmm. huge fan of, you know, if I'm not certain about something, I would rather lab it while I am Mm -hmm. in a very kind of normal headspace than being introduced to it for the first time Mm -hmm. during a scene. So, pro tip. (laughs) Yeah, Taste of Kink's really interesting because we've had, like, when I first started running it, and and the reason I even thought you might not know I ran it was because it's an MVK build event. So it's Metro Vancouver Kink, they do Taste of Kink, Mm -hmm. and then I'm on the board of directors um, volunteering to run it right now. Yeah. Um, But it's going to change hands eventually, like I won't be on the board of directors my entire life. But the point is, there are a lot of really intermediate people that still go to Taste of Kink. Yes. And I think that's what's fascinating about it as an event. Usually with beginner events, you tend to see a lot of beginners, but it's not just a beginner event. No. It's beginner at whatever kink you're looking at. Yes. So you and get that's a what lot I of, love about it, is that right. even as an experienced person, I can still go back and I can yeah. learn things. Like so I did decorative cutting for the first time Ooh. at a Taste of Kink, and I never thought in a million years I would do decorative cutting. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, I was like... 
You know, it's the thing that scares me most out of all the things happening in this room. So maybe I should just go and do it. I know that it's a well-vetted person. Mm -hmm. Like, I vetted them myself. That's exactly my experience, too. And it was needle play for me. I won't do decorative cutting just because I scar very easily and I have questions about that. That's fair. So I might... uh, So the next time, I might actually go and approach and be like, hey, I have questions about this. I don't want to actually be cut by you this time, but I'm going to ask you questions. Totally. next time, I'm going to, you know, maybe come and and test this out with you. But um, at the last Taste of Kink, it was definitely needles Mm -hmm. for me because I had watched and I had watched and I had watched so many times and I'd asked so many questions and I was like you know what this is the time I really want to like do this thing this is the only person I'm going to trust to introduce me to this thing like it's completely safe I just want to have this experience and I had a blast I sat in that freaking chair and laughed till I cried like I had just an absolute blast and that seems to be my kink style in general is there's typically a lot of laughter <laughs> I'm awesome. a very joyful bubbly you know very it's a kind great of way to, pr- to process pain it's yeah. one, one of the many ways. Yeah, one of the many ways seems to be kind of my default, where I am just kind of this very silly person named Kink, and there's a lot of laughter, so I had a blast. Like, you know, there was needles in my leg, and I was in my thigh in particular, and I was just sitting there laughing my butt off, and I just, like, had such a blast, and that was... I'm glad. Yeah, and that's the amazing part about Taste of Kink, is you're able to actually test things out safely and understand if they work for you or not, and I just think that's so amazing. You know, it's such a great resource. I did my first needles at Taste of Kink, um, for Red Robin, who yes, hilariously that's who I did it with. was my second ever scene in the King community. <laughs> um, because when I came in, both of us were much younger humans. Um, but, but yeah, we did needles in my chest, <gasps> and Red Robin was punching my chest. Oh my gosh! Right next to the needles, oh. and it was it was it was intense. It was very intense. That is amazing. It yeah. was a great experience. Um, I mean, I would say 10 out of 10. I don't know whether I would say would do again. <laughs> it was an experience. I would do it again, actually, now nice. that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. But- I would do it again, too. Like, I had so much fun. And, and it was with Red Robin because I was like, if anyone's going to poke me with a needle, it better might as well be, be Red a, Robin. Well, might as well be a former nurse. Yes. Right? It's yes. the same with when I got decorative cutting done. It was a mm-hmm. former tattooing artist. Yes. So... I mean, a lot of the people that come, I mean, obviously negotiate with a specific person, but mm-hmm. a lot of the people that come do have credentials. They are well vetted. So Yeah, no, and that's what I love about it. And so that's exactly the person mm-hmm. I remember just sitting there being like, this is so weird. This is so weird for my brain. And just like poking the needle like as it was in my thigh. Just yeah. a fun time. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, it sounds terrifying yeah. when you hear it, but it feels... Mm, different it for feels everyone probably very different i think for everyone it felt very different from what i expected oh yeah i was expecting it to be really painful and it was not as bad as i thought it like brought me to the point of almost experiencing pain and so long as it wasn't disturbed i wasn't in pain oh and then red robin played with disturbing it <gasps> oh <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Yeah, that that was probably my favorite part when I like was like, she's like, "Do you mind if I just like move the needle?" And I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And she did it anyways, and I was like, "Oh my god," you know. But it was fine, and I just yeah. and then of course that kicked off a whole nother level of laughter, and so then I sat and laughed until like and cried all over again. And endorphins, endorphins, and all the and that's I love the endorphin rush. Like Red that's Robin a lot of fun. did. Um, We'll remove one the easy way just so you... She asked first. She was like, do you want me to remove it the easy way or the hard way? Oh, my God. And I was like, I'm feeling somewhat tapped out for endorphins, but I have a little left. So, And she was like, oh, that's great. So I can do, like, one easy, one hard. And I was like, yeah, sure. And she did an easy (laughs) one, which was, like, just pulling straight out. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. And then she did a hard one. Oh, no. Which... 
I won't describe. <laughs> you can see. I'm just like, oh god. But you can guess that it was. Let's just, I can imagine. Let's just say it was a bit of an ordeal. Oh no. <laughs> and then it was out, and the scene was over. <laughs> this is the, and this is why Taste of Kink is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, you get you get so, those kinds of demos. Yes. I think the reason that with. Red Robin, it was more of a scene, is because we had seen before mm-hmm. in something totally different. Mm-hmm. and So there was a level of familiarity right. there. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think I ever would have approached Red Robin outside of A Taste of Kink, even though we had played in the past, because totally. we don't really have that relationship mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have approached them and, and asked for needles. That's not a thing I would have done. No. Even though I know them, and I'd known them for about six years. But in yeah. the context of Taste of Kink, it suddenly became like, oh, well, everyone else is, is asking and they're already giving out you know free tasters for everyone everyone, so I might as well just yeah, throw my hat in the ring. Well, it's an excellent opportunity because these are people that you might not otherwise feel comfortable to approach. Or, which be, is, or be available to play. Yes, which is what makes it such a great opportunity, right? Like, And, mm-hmm. and that's why like, I encourage so many people to go and attend these events because it is. It really is just a great way to learn. And mm-hmm. even if you yourself are not doing the thing... Um, even you know, seeing it is even beneficial. Just, that's what talking I was going to say. It. Talking about it, watching. Like, when I was getting the needles done, I had a bunch of friends who were like, hey, do you mind if we watch? I'm like, everybody gather around. Like, the more the merrier. Like, you know, like, I might be the one sitting there, but if you're able to learn something from observing and if you're able to enjoy the fact that I'm probably either going to scream or laugh or cry or something and you're able to get something out of that, hell yes, right? So, totally. yeah, no, it's a blast. <laughs> so, and this is another one of those things that I wish everyone in the world had because I think it makes it so like a little bit easier to even get into kink and to learn like good practices and to be able to learn from experienced people safely it's yes absolutely like go to your newbie events is what I would say like check out check out the sort of like introductory beginners events they don't always sound um, as welcoming as they could sound. Mm-hmm. I think when you're really new to BDSM, a lot of this stuff can feel really unwelcoming or scary just because mm-hmm. it's BDSM. But just go to the go to the munches especially, uh, munches being the discussion groups where you can like talk with people and, and go to the beginner events is what I would say. Totally. And I yeah. think even as an intermediate person, sometimes these beginner events totally. can really teach you something. I definitely learned a lot about decorative cutting and needles oh that gosh. I never would have learned yes. if I weren't at these so events. much. And this is why I keep coming back to Taste of Kink every time and I'm always learning new things. And Come early though because it gets so yes. busy now. It didn't used to but the no. event's so popular. We literally I it was my suggestion to double it. I was like, we can't I keep holding so only one glad. of these a year. I was so glad because now I'm like I get Christmas twice a year. It's the yeah, best. <laughs> that's great. But even holding it twice a year, it's full. Like yes. you, to the point where if you walk in, you can watch, you can talk, but you can't play anymore. No. Like the lines. Yeah. Like we had, I think, fifteen or sixteen stations. That's a lot of people doing tasters, and it's a four-hour event. Mm-hmm. Like two hours in, everything was full. Yeah. And it was oh, like yeah. two hours in, and we ran it like three to seven. So like. It's a busy time. This upcoming Mm -hmm. one is the same. It's going to be like 3 to 7. And I'm expecting things to be full at 4.30. Yeah. Which is ruthless because, like, if you a lot of people come later to these events and they just don't get to play and they're disappointed. That's that's really hard. We're yeah. also trying out House Bottoms, not to focus too much on the event because we should get back <laughs> to talking about King. But we're also trying House Bottoms, which we'll have to see how that works. But okay. the notion that if a top shows up and wants a taster, 
as much as I agree with the philosophy the top should probably bottom first, not everybody agrees with that mm-hmm. philosophy. So we're trying out the idea that people who are pretty heavy bottoms and pretty confident um, will choose which stations and which presenters they're a yes to. And then they'll place themselves in the care of that presenter to do some kind of a taster. So either they'll bottom for that experienced presenter or mm. they'll present themselves as a house bottom to the person learning depending on what their negotiation looks like. Oh my gosh. Okay, so after we're done recording this episode, <laughs> like, we clearly need to talk more. more. <laughs> but we had like the thir- almost 30 minutes of talking in between the sessions where we could talk about all the off-topic stuff. <laughs> clearly we just have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yes, you know, same person, right? <laughs> this is clearly, this is what we've discovered is Victor and I are the same person. <laughs> yes, it's, it seems that way. Different incarnations. Different incarnations, same person. Yeah. But uh, no, this is great. And I think this is all still super valuable because there's so much, you know, there's I agree. so many I think ways. It's on topic. Yeah, it's it I mm-hmm. think this is still very on topic because there's so many ways to do kink and so many ways to learn and I think, you know, and for me, um empowering new people is totally. is, is That's a huge super deal. important. Super important, especially yeah. when they're people of color that are new and I'm just like every time I see a person of color that's new, I approach them and I'm just like, "Hey, welcome." Like every time I taste of kink like yeah. even though that's not my role, but I will go out of my way to say hi because I just want these people to feel I welcome. I feel and, I feel similarly like yeah. if I run into people of color at MVK, I will typically just go and say hi and be friendly. Like mm-hmm. I don't give I don't specifically give people quote unquote special treatment, but if I see the one or two other people of color mm-hmm. at an event with hundreds of people potentially and mm-hmm. they're all white, I'm gonna go up and just be like, hey, just so you know, like you're not alone. Yeah. Like it's it's something that a lot of people I think don't recognize as being super important. There are so many people of color in the kink scene. I think there are as many as there are white people. Which is, you don't see that at a dungeon. Right. Well, because if you look at the demographics in Vancouver, it's almost 50 50 now. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, I know that there are ethnic enclaves and, like, it isn't geographically distributed evenly. So we might be in more of a, of a, sort of white area but like but with that where doesn't the make hosted, sense because our kingsters come from all over that's right the greater vancouver region and so where are the people of color exactly and why aren't they coming yes and there are plenty of regions even in vancouver itself that are highly populated by people of color yes and so you get a lot of these like really weird arguments about like oh well coming from a conservative culture people don't think about going out and doing all these things and I'm like, I mean, maybe, like, maybe that accounts for some percentage, but it's it's a far cry to say 50-50 goes down to 3%, mm-hmm. 3 to 97, which yeah. I would say is what the ratio looks like if you go to a public party today. Yes. You will see 3%, I think, people of color to 97% mm-hmm. white folks. And I've definitely been a part of that 3%. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. much am. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like you and occasionally me whenever I can make it out, which is a whole other ordeal. And a few other folks as well. <laughs> and a few other folks. Um, We've got Kona, some pretty Kona amazing. Kona comes out yes. to tons of events. We, Davin comes out to tons of events. Soufei comes out to events. Yes. So it's like, but we I have know got these, some amazing folks. But here. I know these folks on a first name basis. Mm-hmm. That's how few of us there are at any yeah. given event. But there are more of us. They're just not coming out to these that's events. Exactly and right. that's the question. It's yes. like where where are they? Where are they hiding? How can we, you know, make this space yes. more welcoming to have yeah. more of our people? And just more emotionally safe too. Because yes. I think I mean there have been some really heartbreaking stories that I've had shared mm-hmm. with me, and they aren't mine to share. But yeah. but 
plain and simple, like, we can do better as a community. And we it can. starts with a cultural shift and trying to avoid saying the things that are unintentionally racist. Absolutely. Like, there are so many times when I talk with white folks and they're like, oh, well, I'm obviously not a racist. Like, I don't hate people of color and I'm not interested in, like, making their lives harder. And I'm like, no, I agree. Like, obviously, you're not, like, an intentional racist. That doesn't mean that you don't accidentally maybe say things that... That make people uncomfortable. Yeah, or yeah. that are highly based on race whether mm. it's conscious or not mm -hmm. um which brings us to all of that i mean we could go on for hours about all the <laughs> barriers to access which we probably will do at the next colorful kinksters of vancouver yes um but i just wanted to highlight for people listening an example of the where are you from question mm -hmm. it's so uncommon that i'm in a group of people at mdk and some white folk will ask another white folk like where are you from that's mm -mm. really uncommon. I'm yeah. sure it happens. I'm sure it happens sometimes, but I haven't really heard it. But you also have people, um, I know at least one in particular, who, you know, they show up at MBK and they get the question, like, they get the where are you from. Yeah. Um, and they don't want to have to deal with that no, nonsense. No, that's, that's awful. And it's like, if it happens to you every single time, like, that's annoying. And for clarity for people listening, it's awful because it, it's othering. It mm -hmm. draws attention to the fact that you're not like other people and that you're different enough that people don't believe you're from here, which for someone like myself who's born in Richmond is yep. particularly frustrating. Yeah, like, I was born and raised in Surrey. So, like, if someone asks me, where are you from... Like, yeah. Or if they're like, oh, Irene, like, and then they're looking at my skin tone and like, I, yeah, I look can very see brown the judgments. and I can see the judgment because Irene is a very white name and I am very brown. And yes, like it is really fucking obvious that it is not my real name. I'm going to expect you to swallow that bitter pill and address yeah. me as Irene. Go for it, please. I mean, when people want you to call them Slim Slam Master Shabadoo, like, yeah. why can't you, <laughs> like, why can't Irene, you accept Irene? Irene Leona's the lioness. It ain't that fucking hard like come on but yeah. you know and I'm and they're like oh but where are you from oh, Surrey I was born and raised in Surrey I have mm -hmm. never been mm -hmm. to India or Africa or anywhere else that you imagine that I am from my perfect <laughs> my, my personal favorite is the have you been back Oh, God. Let's not even go there. We could do a whole other episode about the have you been back. Back where? I'm just going to adjust <laughs> Oh, thank this. you. As if you need me closer to explaining well, my just, anger. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just noticing that you're clipping because oh. you're because you're loud enough as your wonderful self. <laughs> so I was like, we just need to move the pop filter out from the mic Oops, a little bit. Sorry. No, no, it's totally fine. It's not a problem. <laughs> I'm going to put everything through a compressor later anyway, but okay. but clipping is something compressors don't fix. No, dear. And that's the end of my audio rant. <laughs> Yeah, I get very passionate about this which topic. Is which is great. I think you should be passionate about these so. things. And it's it's reasonable for you to be yes. passionate about these and things. I, and I love it. And I love talking about kink. And I love talking about how we can make our community better. I'm very, I'm very passionate about our community. And it's just kind of one of these things where I'm just like, you know, how can we make this better? How can I invite more of my people? Like, come on you know and this is the thing that I'm always yeah. like where yeah. are they you guys are here somewhere like yeah well and it only serves to increase the already large stigma in various cultures yes. if you don't see other folks like yourself it is it is easy to fall prey to that assumption mm -hmm. that maybe they just don't exist but I assure you that people aren't born kinky more often because they're white yeah like no. people aren't born queer more often because they're white like that's an absurd notion mm -hmm. race is a social construct it's just a question of the barriers to entry and i think on an organizational end we can do better than we're currently doing and Absolutely. honestly 
honestly, MVK is working incredibly hard at being inclusive. And if you compare just even the number of people of color that are doing education at like mm-hmm. West Coast Bound to other various conventions, we're doing a really good job and we're a really small convention comparatively, even though we're getting up to 400, 500 guests a year now. Hey, that's amazing. No, It's huge compared to where West Coast Bound started. It's an enormous convention compared to that. But then if you look at something like Folsom or any of the other major cities in the mm-hmm. U.S., um, their conventions, I mean. Right. They're yeah. just, they're huge. Hey, I mean, it. all that matters is that we're taking the first step, right? And people, yeah. we're an example. If we're setting a precedent, then there's no reason why other communities can't follow suit, right? Well, and honestly, I think it's only going to grow. And I think just like we have one of the largest pride parades in North America, I think we're going to have one of the largest kink scenes. It's really just a question of time. And I think, I think we're going to grow fast enough to honestly keep up with scenes from urban centers that are much larger than ours. That's amazing. I, I sincerely hope so. But that's also an interesting an interesting thing to say when we're talking about demographics. Mm-hmm. Because what that's what that's saying is that I believe we're going to overcome enough barriers to entry and that the culture of Vancouver is inclusive enough that we're going to start seeing like these much larger um, groups of people who are kinky, one, acknowledging that they're kinky, and two, coming out to events. I, I really hope so. It yeah. would, I think that would be just absolutely amazing. <sighs> yeah. I forgot how we got onto this topic, but That's I'm glad okay. we got here. That's okay. <laughs> um, and we still have plenty of time. Fabulous. So. Fabulous. Um, fabulous. We were talking about sadomasochism and mm-hmm. connection and intimacy, and I loved the way that you dug into connection and intimacy. And, Thank you. And the way that we framed intimacy as as potential mm-hmm. in activities and the way you could mine or sort of dig for like, I want more, I want to do more, I want to feel more, and like, how can we go about doing that, and the communication that sort of frames that. Totally. I wanted to touch on service, though. We were talking about um, doming and submitting, we were talking about sadism and masochism, Mm -hmm. Um, and again, for clarity for folks that are just sort of trying to keep up, um, again, so many definitions, but the ones that I found that have sort of resonated for me um, is that when you are dominating you tend to be receiving power in a power exchange mm-hmm. and then you, you maybe not even necessarily using that power but it is common to use that power in some way it's mm-hmm. a pretty vague definition um, and then submission being a surrendering of your power to someone presumably someone you trust with it versus sadism and masochism which revolves much more around pain where sadism is the enjoyment of seeing pain in others or of inflicting pain in others i think it depends on the sadist Mm -hmm. and there may be some elements of both there's also masochism which is the enjoyment or satisfaction of receiving pain for example i'm not a sexual masochist i don't get off on receiving pain but i am fed by the hero's journey of experiencing pain Mm -hmm. so does that make me a masochist Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) It's it's complicated. It's it's complicated. A lot of people can define it in a lot of different ways. But service is performing acts not because they immediately meet your needs, but because they meet your need of meeting the needs of others. Mm -hmm. That's the clearest way I've thought of describing service. I I really like that. I'm glad other me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. This is, like, deeply, like... Bizarre in the best of ways. This is awesome. (laughs) Um, So then my question was, are there elements of service? Like if you aren't getting your needs met, doming or topping, Mm -hmm. do you find that doming and topping as a service dom or a service top might meet your needs in seeing the reactions from your partner? You know, I, I haven't, I haven't done a whole lot of that. Okay. Admittedly. Um, 
I mean, I am perfectly willing to be like a demo bottom, for example. And like, like that's totally fine. I love helping people out. And if like that's something somebody wants to do, then cool. I just mm-hmm. haven't had too much of that opportunity. But even sure. even if I'm demo bottoming, like, bleh, did I say that properly? Demo bottoming. Yes. <laughs> if, even if I'm demo bottoming, bottoming, I think there's. God, that's a weird word to say. <laughs> but I think there's still a level of connection, yeah. um, even to that. Like doing something like, and this. So this is why I'm struggling because I don't know if I would even call it like service bottoming because it's it would still be like a level of connection where it's like, hey, this is gonna be slightly more experimental, but I'm willing to forge that type of connection with you. It yeah. still kind of comes back to connection for me. Totally. I agree so, completely. That's and, why I named the show Intimate Interactions yeah. because I revolve so much around connection and intimacy <laughs> and I think that it makes life so much more joyful mm-hmm. and it just makes life more bearable. Maybe that's just totally. it. Maybe it's the depression anxiety connection because like I definitely find life is more bearable with connection. There's, like, totally. resources in community and family and found family. Oh, my God. All the feels. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening right now? Um, uh, but service is amazing. Like, yeah. I guess so you do find of, yourself fed by service then? I, I think I do. That was the next I, question. I think <laughs> I do. <laughs> no, I think I do. I think, um, okay, let's talk about boot blacking. Um, oh, amazing. Yes, yes. let's do it. Um, boot blacking, I think, can be a more servicey thing. I think that would be service for me. <laughs> Thank you for adjusting my mic. Um, I get very enthusiastic no, when great. I talk. <laughs> get enthusiastic about boot blacking. Thank you. Um, it's very neat of me. Hey, guess what? I learned it at Taste of King. Oh. <laughs> Had the most amazing time with the presenter. We like spent an hour together. It was just incredible. Um, and all I did was polish a shoe. Like it was just a leather shoe. Was, and I was, was Tilly just, teaching it? Uh, Gentle Ben. Okay. And I've, I've heard amazing things. Yes, we just and we just had this amazing time, and I and they were so impressed because I was like asking like all the right questions, so we were able to really get into some of the nitty gritty awesome. of like what makes boot blacking so exciting and interesting. Because up mm-hmm. until that point, I had never been able to wrap my head around it, and that's why I wanted to like experience it was to kind of see how it's done and really get a feel for it. So like you as, just made me incredibly intrigued to do this at the next taste of candy. You really should. I literally like stood just, by that table and did not leave because I was. Was like I need to know. Like that I'm was just my so thing. ignorant about boot blacking as a thing, other than the obvious connection through mm-hmm. master slave dynamics. Mm-hmm. I've had my shoes polished, I think, once. And I was like, but there's oh, so I'm, much more to it. I was and like, I was I'm starting like, to understand yeah. a little, but I'm basically at the shiny shoes, governor, level. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm not quite at a point where I have any grokking of like the, the meat and potatoes of yes. food blacking. And, and as soon as I like explored it, I was just like, like, this was the thing that I was desperate to know about. And so I stood at that freaking table until it was my turn and I waited and I was like, oh my God, like it just opened up a whole new world. And Inform me. The tension is like, <laughs> I, I must mean, know. I I mean, okay, so let's say your partner has a leather shirt on. Okay. So that's really different than polishing a shoe. 100%. Because now you're really, like, rubbing up against their chest. Mm-hmm, and, like, mm-hmm. if you're worshipping that leather with your tongue, mm. that's pretty sexy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, hell yes, bring yep. it on. And so, like, my partner has definitely been like, oh, I have, like, a pair of leather pants that I need you to boot black. And I'm like, huh? uh-huh, yes, please. Okay. Okay. I have no clue. I have no clue how to boot black. I've only done it once learn. in my I will life. Learn. I will but learn. fuck me, I will learn. <laughs> I will absolutely 
absolutely learn. Can I adjust? It Sorry. Oh, it's okay. We're going to be doing a lot of adjusting, apparently. I was just, yeah, I was so like, yeah, absolutely. There we go. Yeah, so I've only boot blacked the one time in my life. I learned how to polish a shoe, but over the course of that... <laughs> Your reactions are killing me. Right I now. just, I just love like how passionate you get about these things. Like I've, you're just an incredibly passionate and wonderful human. <laughs> it seems to be how I roll. Awesome. Um, yeah, but it was an hour at Taste of Pink, and I just got imparted with so much knowledge. I barely fucking remember how to polish that damn shoe, but I did it, and I was so, I was so proud of like I was like, hey, like. I did this thing, like, I polished the shoe, I maybe wasn't amazing at it, but I just spent an hour and I did a bunch of hard work and that's really satisfying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That felt a bit more servicey to me, where it wasn't like, like, the polishing of the actual shoe itself gave me a whole lot of satisfaction, mm -hmm. but in a situation with an intimate partner, if they're wearing leather, you know, I mean, I may not be a fantastic boot black who's able to care for your leather amazingly, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. that type of play, like, yeah. absolutely, like, what an amazing, incredible, intimate, just, like, oh my goodness. And in Vancouver, I think we talk a lot about rope, and it's just kind of the thing, like, we it kind is, of yeah. have a rope, we're kind of a rope hotspot. Nothing wrong with that. But boot blacking is really cool, and I think more people need to hear about it because that's fair. Like promoting yeah. a variety of kinks. Yes, and that's and again, I was so thrilled when um, MBK and Taste of Kink decided to make boot blacking a station because it was the first right. time in the in like the three or four that I had done that that was an option, and I was like, oh my god, yes! Like thank you, like something new, and it was amazing. And so now I'm kind of. I guess a baby boot black who has no clue what she's doing, but is very willing to learn. And there's, yeah, there are so many options with boot blacking, and it can yeah. be a very, very sexy time. You want to lick totally. somebody's shoe, you want to give them a massage through the leather, like, oh my god, there's so many options. And there's so yeah. many pieces of leather clothing. You want a leather, like, jockstrap? You want bras and panties and leather? There's all kinds of options. So there's a lot of things that you can polish, too. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so... And there's a whole bunch of things, even with boots. Although you may have to clean them after you polish them. Well, that might be part of the fun as well, is like, hey, you've made a mess. Now you have to clean it up, too, and polish it all over again, you know? Right. That's kind of servicey, kind of a fun thing. Sure. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of the one thing that, when it comes to service, the thing that I would kind of lean into and call is service. Is boot blacking. Is boot blacking, you know? But even within that, I'm just like, that sounds it like It sounds fun. like you're getting a lot of needs directly met. I guess so. I've never really had an opportunity to talk to many other people about my interest in boot blacking. Right, so give right. me all the feedback. Like, oh, please. I mean, I'm, I have no feedback to give. I'm certainly no no boot black or master or anything like that. I mean, I but have, I mean, like, I have you... been a master before, but not of boot blacking. <laughs> but I mean, if you're thinking, but if it sounds to you like I'm getting a bunch of needs met, then that's really cool because... Mm -hmm. That's just what, I mean, it doesn't really matter what I think, but that is what I'm hearing. Like, it, right. it sounds to me like you get a lot of needs directly met. I guess so. And even though it comes in the form that appears as service or or something that's traditionally thought of as service, I don't know that that's necessarily service as I use the term, hmm, okay. because I tend to use service for things that meet secondary needs. So for hmm. example, I really love my partners, and I am fed when they enjoy themselves. Mm -hmm. So if I'm doing something for them, and they're really enjoying themselves, I feel a sense of connection, I feel a sense of love, I feel a sense of validation, I feel a sense of excellence, I feel a lot of great things. Mm -hmm. But they're not, they're based on my partners getting their primary need met. 
Interesting. So, so it might. may not have any, like, it might not be something that you enjoy. Right. So but it because could, your partner enjoys that, I you're enjoy happy. my partner enjoying it. Mm, so it's a secondary need for me. So if I'm giving my partner a massage, mm-hmm. I might really enjoy that depending on what I'm massaging. Or I might just be giving them a really run of the mill massage after work. And it may not even be a shoulder massage. It may be like a lower back massage. Right. And they may be feeling really unsexy and not in the mood for sex. In which case, I'm just giving them a back massage. And I enjoy that. I like mm. the, I do get needs for touch met. The connection right. through touch is really good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, there may be a service element. After 10 minutes of that, it may not really be topping up my needs anymore. Yeah. But maybe my partner wanted a 20-minute massage or a 15-minute massage. Mm-hmm. So those last five minutes, I'm running off of enjoying that they're enjoying it, mm-hmm. if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Absolutely. So for me, that's how I use the term service. It's when uh, my need is getting met by someone's need getting met totally. rather than by the activity itself. Okay. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I guess... I guess there is an element of that, but I've never actually thought of it that way. So mm-hmm. I'm sure there are like servicey things that I do. I've just never really thought of it that way. And I guess for me, it's because in my brain, it still comes back to, hey, this person is enjoying it, and that's my connection to them, right? Totally. <laughs> and I'm sure you have many more years before you turn into me, so. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. You have years to, to make up I have this. years, young grasshopper. <laughs> oh, dear. If I ever turn into Victor, that would be... <laughs> Someone's going to bring up this podcast and go, remember What a when? day. What a day that would be. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm going to have to up. come and find you and be like, Victor! I have turned into you. What am I like what? in 10 years? What have you done? <laughs> May I ask how old you are, actually? 23. Okay, so yeah, I'm 32, so like nine years. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. All righty, yeah. then. But hey, I mean, I didn't even learn about this stuff until I was like 25, 26, right. so like... Yeah. So you've got years on me in that yeah, sense. Yeah, and I, and I recognize that that is actually a privilege in and of itself, that I've kind Just of come into kink very early on, and I'm very, very young, and I do have quite a bit of time to explore and all that kind of stuff. And I recognize that is a privilege and that I'm kind of lucky that way. And so that's why, like, even if I want to step away from kink mm-hmm. and from the kink community for a bit, I have the luxury of that because... It's I helpful. Am, Knowing yourself yeah. is invaluable. Yeah. And I'm, and so I consider myself incredibly blessed and privileged that I was able to, you know, do this from a young mm-hmm. age. Like, mm-hmm. I entered the kink scene at the age of 20. That's awesome. And I've been learning. I mean, and, depending on how you entered, that's awesome. Well, it, I entered through Taste of Kink. That oh, was my first ever that's event. That's Literally, I am like what the is... perfect case study. I'm telling oh you. I was like, Taste of Kink, this sounds amazing. I am going. It was my first kink event. That was the time that... Um, uh, you do have a... That is really that's amazing. <laughs> and that was the time when the, the, the our regular venue... Um, had flooded, so we had That's to have right. a, yeah. the Korean Cultural Center, no. community center. No, where it's do we keep things? Venue. Where where do things happen at the moment? Maritime Labor Center. Thank you. Yes, the Maritime Labor Center had flooded, so we had to have it at the Wise Hall. Oh, at the Y. That's right, because the Wise Halls are our alternate venue. There we go. Right. And yeah. it was, and that was my first ever taste of kink. And after the fire, we moved to the Korean Community Center or Cultural Center, and okay. like there, and the Wise Hall and the Maritime Labor Center are like three of maybe four venues. The other one is the place that Rascals hold stuff, I right. think. 
And the Korean Community Center, when you guys were there, was yeah. actually my first ever MBK dungeon party. Oh, that's so interesting because it was a weird dungeon party. It was it was a very weird, unusual dungeon party. And right. I literally just showed up in like street clothes in my bright peach handbag, like very, very clearly out of place. Love it. But I was just like, you know what? I am dying to know. I just want to go. I just want to see. I don't want to do anything. I just want to literally pay whatever fee it is and be there for 30 minutes. I just want to get a feel for what this looks like. And then I'm going to go home. And that's literally what I did. And I was lucky enough. And I hadn't even planned. Okay, don't do what I did and just go and not expect to have a single <laughs> friend there. Mercifully, I did have a friend there. But don't do that. Don't, don't you know, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> um, make sure you have a friend that's going to be there, please. It makes life a lot easier. I'm very, very glad that luck was with me and that I had a friend. Do you know how I got into the kink scene? Do tell. So my roommate was like, hey, I've been volunteering with this organization and I have enough for two free entries and I really just want a friend to go to be emotionally supportive. Aww. And I was like, okay, yeah, I pride myself on being open-minded and being like a good friend. What is it? And he's like, don't freak out. It's a dungeon party. And the words out of my mouth were literally, what the fuck is a dungeon party? <laughs> that is literally what I said. I said, what the fuck is a dungeon party? Oh, no. And he was like, well, it'll be, you know, like people doing the stuff you think of they might be doing in a dungeon. And I was like, so like, like from Pulp Fiction? And he was like, well, there may be people like in latex suits. Yeah. But I mean, also other things. And I was like. I have no map for this. I really don't know. Like, I have absolutely no idea. Yes, I'll go and support you as a friend. And I was and like, I don't have to do anything, right? And he's like, you don't have to participate. And I was like, okay. And, like, if I'm really uncomfortable, I can leave. And he's like, we can leave if you're really uncomfortable. But I really want to go to check it out for myself to see if it's right for me. Mm -hmm. Would you be willing to be a good friend and go with me? And I was like, sure. So we showed up. And I ended up playing with two people that night. Oh, my goodness. And when I had finished with the second person, I came out. And he was like... Yeah, I might just go home because I'm just not feeling it. Like, I think it's just too emotionally intense for me. And I was like, oh, I'm actually really enjoying myself. <laughs> that is too funny. Yeah, so that's, I had no idea. I didn't even have an inkling. And yet when I look back on, like, the intensity I craved and, like, mm. I honestly think it's helpful for your mental health to know sooner. Yes. I think the longer you go with your kinky tendencies undiscovered, like, depending on what those are, like, the harder it can be on your mental health. Mm, it certainly I, I, it was for me. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. So I'm very yeah. glad. And, you know, yeah. like I said, I kind of was just like, I just want to go and experience the things. And I did. And I, I had a great time. That's so. great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy that it was a taste of kink, too. It That's was. Great. It was. And it was just the best. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it was, I, I still remember it, like, because there was just so many memorable experiences and I had an absolute blast. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Great. Well, <laughs> that's all the questions I have for you. Is oh. there any advice or anything else you want to add before we close it out? Oh, no. Are we done already? Shucks. Yeah, it's been, it's been an hour and eight minutes. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's 1030. What? Oh, my. <laughs> um, I... Yeah. Hey, just like if if you're into this stuff, like go at your own pace. There's no rush. I think there's so much learning and I say this all the time, literally learning, growing and changing and that's all I ever seem to do in kink. That's all I ever seem to see other people doing is there's so much you learn and you just there's you change so much in the best of ways and it's an amazing time. So be gentle with yourself because it's going to be a wild ride, but it's going to be awesome. That's great advice. Be gentle with yourself. Yes. That's huge. <laughs> Something I can definitely, I would be served by learning to do that better. Same. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, right. Well, you mentioned that you did want to talk about how being Indian impacts intimacy for you, and that that was something I'd meant to ask about, but we'd kind of missed. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the things that I really struggle with um, is is just this whole fact that, like, okay, kink is such a huge part of my life. It's such a huge part of how I connect with people. It's such an intimate thing. Um, but if I can't even get to the events, mm-hmm. then it's a whole... It's it's just a whole... It's a whole ordeal. Like, even, mm-hmm. you know, coming out to people as... So, so I say... There, there's kind of two things here. The first is, like, quote-unquote, coming out to people, either as kinky or as, hey, I have a blog. Like, even that's a coming out process sometimes, mm-hmm. where I'm just like... I have a blog, I talk about kink and sex, like, I'm doing this thing and I want people to be able to access it and learn about it, so I have to be vulnerable and share that with people and be like, hey, this is a thing that I'm doing, like, share it with your friends. And it's, you know, I've been really blessed that, like, so many people have given me such positive reactions and they're like, oh my god, like, that's amazing, like, thank you for doing that, but, um, you know, I I always tell them with the disclaimer, I'm like, if you're gonna talk about my blog, Mm please say Irene. It's not my real name right, at all. Right. And it's it's this thing that I kind of did the moment I stepped into the kink scene where I picked Irene as my name. And I, I always tell people, like, you're not missing out on something just because you don't know my legal name. Like, right. my, my given name is my more true self. Like, this is the identity that I have built that is more me than my legal name is. Right. You're not missing anything. But basically... I do this to protect myself as well as the kink community because if I right <laughs> if yes, I we... end up if I end up in a ditch somewhere <laughs> right. and the police pull out my wallet and go this is you know insert legal name here right right and then they come knocking at MVK's door going was X Y and Z person here MVK can go no that person was right. not here there was other brown people there was this chick named Irene but that's not who you're talking about right right so basically my entire life goal is to be as out to the world as possible, but just don't let my mother find out. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, and honestly, if I can do that, then that's a success. So it it protects me. It protects my family. It actually protects my kink community. Right. We had this conversation earlier too. You were talking about, um, yeah, the notion that if you were found dead, it couldn't be linked to the kink community. And I made the comment that like, Right, that's equivalent to saying, like, you would rather not be found dead, you know? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be found dead, yeah. like, in, a, in the kink scene. <laughs> Pretty much. And this way, your parents don't ever have to find out, even if you're murdered. Pretty, pretty much. That's pretty much all I want is that even if I end up murdered, my parents, parents don't will need never to know. find out that I had bruises on my thighs from getting whipped or something. Right. Like, they don't need to know which ones were consensual. <laughs> exactly. So I am protected. I am good. So long as my parents never find out, everything is fine. The rest of the world is allowed to know because right. that's just kind of how it is. But God forbid my parents find out. Can you imagine grandparents finding out? Well, I mean, you told well from your like mother. a from a dead child. I'm like, that's two <laughs> oh, no. levels of two levels no, of trauma. No, no, no. I just mean like even in the general sense, like my parents finding out, it, I just feel like it would not go over well. So yeah. I would just rather I would just rather they never find out. See, my mom, my mom and dad were divorced. Oh, so 
right? It's like, oh, all of a sudden there's this huge stigma attached to that in, of course, the South Asian community. So yeah. my mom was not coming from a place of strength and status oh, no. when I was like, hey, I'm coming out to you. So in a sense, all of those disadvantages were advantages mm-hmm. because... I was more free to be me, and she was more likely to, to accept that because she didn't want to be estranged from her son when right. there was, like, so little left of mm-hmm. her essentially dysfunctional and somewhat Aww. fragmented family. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It is, it is what it is. Yeah. No, I, I just, like, this is this is my one thing. Like, I, I've told university professors about my yeah. blog and about my kink life, and I'm just like, the only thing is you have to refer to it by my, by my yeah. pseudonym because, God forbid, my mother ever finds out. <laughs> It's so it's so crazy to me. Like it really stresses like how hard it is to own who you are. Like what an obstacle it is. What a mm-hmm. barrier to participation it is. It is, and it's it's so tough because like even for me, getting to a kink event is such mm-hmm. a stressful, stressful time where it's like I have to make an excuse. I have to come up with a backstory. I have to be able to satisfy all of her questions. What time are you going? What time will you be home? Where is it at? You know, who is going to be there? Mm-hmm. And I have to make up this entire backstory. Right. Just to get out to one event, right? I have to. I have to ask the question. So we were talking about um, people of color not coming out to events, Mm -hmm. and that hackneyed argument that maybe they don't because they're from conservative cultures. And I feel like it's hard not to draw the comparison that we're talking about the barriers that conservative cultures have Mm -hmm. to participation in the king community. Yeah, I yeah, it's. I think it's just one of those things. And I think, you know, my mother's obviously coming from a good place. She Mm -hmm. just wants me to be safe. She just wants to know where I'm going, how to contact me in case of an emergency. Mm -hmm. You know, if she hasn't heard from me in, like, five hours, she's obviously going to text me and be like, hey, is everything going well? And, like, she means well, but at the same time, it's like, can you not ask so many questions? (laughs) Like, you're making my life a lot harder. Um, But And I get it. She means well. and I But I think this is definitely one of the barriers. Like, it is such... A hard time for me to like mm-hmm. even get to an event you know when someone asks you hey are you going to this thing mm-hmm. and you know for most people it's like oh yeah maybe and for me it's right. like hey are you going to this thing and my brain has like a 30 second window in which it's calculating all of these variables it's like kid do i have this do i have a story do i have an excuse do i have a background can i can i cover for this in some way do i have time do i have the resources like right. boom 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 all of these thoughts in which right. i finally end up by going oh maybe <laughs> right right <laughs> you know but the level of like thinking my brain has done in order to come to that it's maybe. a lot of emotional labor it, it is it is and i think i think that is a barrier because how many people are gonna go through that and put up with that work you know even right. i've had a point where i'm just like i'm exhausted um yep and i think that's really that's really fair and very valid you know i want to be able to have my kink and i want to be able to connect with the people that i connect with in that way but even if it's like going over to their house like that's still i have to find an excuse i have to make sure i can you know Mm -hmm. do all the things i have to you know make sure that i'm not getting for example i'm not being bitten on the neck where someone's going to be able to see it like right marks and so yeah so many Mm -hmm. of these things so it just even not to mention the shame that kind of comes with just going through the motions of being secretive can sometimes invoke shame Oh, God, yeah. And I probably haven't even considered that element of it. But, yeah, there's so much work that has to be done, even to meet someone privately. So it's it's tough. But, you know, I I hope that it gets easier for, for me and for mm-hmm. people like me. I hope that, you know, ideas... Um, 
within the South Asian community can change and that we can yeah. become open to this yeah. because no one deserves the level of stress that I put myself through just, just to, to be, be able who you to, are. just to be who I am and just to connect with people like yeah. God but I do it because I'm passionate about it yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and to answer my own question from earlier about um, more focusing on race, I would say that there are also going to be white folks that have to hide this from their employers, from yes. their families, that go through a lot of emotional labor to give excuses to friends who know where they are, et cetera. Yeah, it's not just, like, right. it's not just, like, people, people of, color. of color and other races. Like, there are conservative Christians and stuff. Like, this isn't just a one-race thing. Yeah. So, you know, and it, it comes back to it's not a race thing. So right. then why is it that we don't see, you know, right. South Asian people, for example, in their kink community? And sure. it's just, you know. And as I, said, as I said earlier, there's probably some percentage that's accounted for by increased conservatism, but we're not yeah. talking, like, enough to make it 3%, 97%. No, absolutely. Absolutely not. Yeah. Anyways, I just wanted to have that meta conversation because <laughs> I was you. I was seeing how much what you were saying could sound like it was refuting what you were saying. Oh gosh, yeah. So no. I just wanted to sort of like take that journey with people listening and sort of be like, yeah, yeah. No, Anyways. thank you. <laughs> Is that all you want to say? I think I think we've covered all of it. Awesome. Thank you. Well, in which case, thank you for being on Intimate Interactions. Thank you. So how did you like it, Intimates? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash intimate interactions or go straight to the Patreon group at patreon.com slash victorsalmon. Both are easy to find from intimatepodcast.com, so what are you waiting for? Go join the free Intimates community and start connecting with others. I'll see you on there. Attribution. The intro music was Unbury Your Heart by Siobhan Decay, and the outro music was Dancing with Fire by Daniel Birch. Disclaimer. I apologize in advance if something I say discriminates against some folks or is highly problematic. I'm open to being called in. I'll probably look back in future and see something I'm not proud of. I'm not perfect. I'm certainly trying to be mindful of the voices I lift up and the perspectives I encourage. And along that line, I'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the land on which I live and play, the unceded traditional Coast Salish territories, specifically those of the Musqueam, Kwantlen, Sawasan, and Tsleil-Waututh nations, 